Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Today we will see the cost of Israel's defeat. It paralyzed them and made them doubt God's love, power, and promises. It brought them into a depression and mourning because they were left hopeless without a purpose and a cause. Today we'll see God's faithfulness to them as He shows them the cure for defeat. part three of Cheryl's message titled, The Cause, Cost, and Cure for Defeat. The next cost of defeat, doubt, paralysis, and depression. We read verses six through nine that Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth before the ark of the Lord until evening. He couldn't move. He was unable to talk, to do anything. He was just there on his face before the ark. There was no place to go. Israel could not advance, but they couldn't go back. They had crossed a river. They had crossed a wilderness. They had crossed a sea. There was no place to go. No place to go backwards and no place to go forwards. And all the elders mourned with him and threw dust on their heads. There was depression, visible and internal. There was this feeling of doom. If we don't have God, as Moses said, if your presence does not go with me, do not ask me to leave this place. The sense of doom and vulnerability and nothing, nothing seems to be working out for the good. Joshua blamed the Lord. This is doubt. Doubt is when we blame the Lord. I thought you said I had some promise. I thought you said you were going to bring me into the promised land. See, he is doubting all the promises of God. He is doubting the word of God. He is doubting the goodness of God and the character of God. This is what happens when we walk in defeat. Joshua says, why have you done this to us? You haven't kept your word. This is your fault. We should have stayed where we were. We are totally without hope. You see, the cost of defeat is great. It is a loss. It is paralysis where we're stuck, and it is doubt. Doubt of God's love. Doubt of God's word. Doubt of God's power. Doubt of God's promises. And it is depression. It is the deepest form of mourning because it leaves you hopeless, without purpose, without cause. If our cause is not to come in and inherit the promises of God, then why are we here? And what is life about? There is no reason to live. That is defeat. Do you feel it? Yes. Now let's go to the cure. 
Verse 10. I love verse 10. Because I'm telling you, when I've been in these places of defeat, I've heard this, get up. And I like the exclamation mark after get up. Like, get up. Get up. There's a cause for this. There's a reason for this. Get up. And the next thing is sanctify yourself. Get up. God says, why are you lying on your face? Quit blaming me. This is not my problem. This is your problem. You need to do something about the real issue because the issue is in the camp of Israel. It's on your side, not my side. I'm righteous. I'm perfect. I'm loving. I want to give you the promises. I'm all powerful. But there's this separation that you've allowed between yourself and me, and I cannot bless, and my presence can't go with you. Do something about the problem. In verses 11 and 12, sanctify yourself. Seek the Lord. God has the answer for our defeat. And here God revealed to Joshua the reason for defeat. It wasn't that when Joshua, you know, when God said, get up, sanctify yourself. It wasn't like God said, guess what the reason is. Guess. No, God's like, there's a reason. There's sin in the camp. And I want you to get to the sin. You know, God wants to lead us in victory. He wants to help us get out. I have to say those prayer times where they say, just confess your sin. And it's like 10 minutes and it's 12 minutes. It's like, I think I've really covered birth on up. You know, I believe that sin is obvious. That God will bring it. The moment we say it, it comes. Because the Holy Spirit is more interested in getting rid of this sin than we are in getting rid of it. The Lord is more interested in bringing us into the promises than even we are into getting into the promises. God wants to deal with it. So God reveals to Joshua the reason for defeat. Israel sinned chata, which is the Hebrew word for sin, and it means to miss the mark. It's the same as the New Testament word hamatia, hamatia, which means to miss the mark. Israel missed the mark. In other words, they're not on the right longitude and latitude to enter the promises. They've gone off course. Israel has moved off course. They're no longer headed towards the promises. They're headed now towards doom and destruction. They're going the wrong way. They need to amend and get right back in alignment. And then God uses the, the Hebrew word abar. Now, before we're told that he trespassed, and that was, was the word mal, but now it's abar, which means violated. It means to go against the word. There is sin. Israel has sinned and gone against my word. And the whole nation was affected. How would they sin? By violating God's covenant, taking of the cursed thing, stolen, deceived, and someone has put it with their own stuff. In Hebrews 4.13, the author tells us that everything is open and naked before the eyes of God. You cannot hide from God. Remember Jonah trying to hide in the boat thinking God wouldn't see? God sees everything. God sees even to the very heart of men. He knows. I was just reading in John chapter 4 that Jesus did not need that anyone tell him about men or testify about men because he himself knew what was in the heart of men. 
God knows. He knows our thoughts afar off. He knows it all and he sees it. The children of Israel, God tells them, you could not stand against your enemy. Victory was absolutely impossible. So they turned their back. They became doomed to destruction and lost the presence of the Lord. Neither will I be with you anymore. This is the reason. And you can only discover the reason for the defeat when you begin again to seek the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God. When you begin to say, God, I want to follow you. I want to be in your promises. What is wrong? Where was my misstep? Where did I lose my way? Remember how Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, you've got all these great things going for you. You're very discerning. You're majoring in the apologetics. You hate sin. Great. But you're in defeat because you've lost your first love. Remember from whence you are fallen. Remember, get back in line, Ephesus. Get back in line. Remember from whence you have fallen. Get back. Get back in line so you can walk into the promises. And just like God said to Israel, my presence cannot go with you. To the Ephesians, he said, without love, I can't go with you. I'm going to remove my presence from you. I'm going to take the candle out of the lampstand. We need to be in line. We need to seek the Lord. There is a reason for defeat. Remember the cause of Israel's defeat. Sin, taking of the accursed thing. Presumption. Underestimating the enemy. Then sanctify yourself, verse 13. Rededicate yourself to God and his work. Rededicate yourself. And then realign yourself with God and his purposes. Get back in alignment. Do things God's way. Follow his plan, ask for it, and walk in it. Presumption is when we take the lead. Sanctification is when we give God the lead. Find the sin, verses 13 through 19. In the morning, all of the tribes were called to assembly. Now Joshua is listening to God. Here is God's way. God is saying, I'm going to tell you exactly how you're to deal with this. You didn't. Seek me. And so you were defeated at AI. Now it's time to seek me. Set yourself aside for my purposes. And now do it my way. And God gives a series of instructions. These are testings. There needs to be an inventory, a search in our hearts, in our homes to find that thing. So the tribe of Judah is chosen from the 12 tribes of Israel. Next, the family of the Zarahites is chosen. Then the household of Carmi and then Achan himself. Why this drama? It's to show the whole assembly how God sees and God knows. It's preventative. It's to give Achan time to repent and to save his family. But look at how embedded the sin is in Achan. He was willing to sacrifice his family for the accursed thing. Even when the pressure is on, he is willing to let men die that he might keep the accursed thing. 
He is willing to let all of Israel lose the presence of God that he might keep the accursed thing. He is willing to let Israel become accursed to doom as long as he can keep the accursed thing. He is willing to let Israel be paralyzed and never move into the promises as long as he can keep the accursed thing. I know many men and women who have sacrificed their families and all they have for the accursed thing, whether it be a job or money, pornography, another man or a woman, drugs, alcohol, and they're willing to let others be accursed and cursed rather than to give up the accursed thing. They think they won't be caught. There's a delusion. I won't be caught. Other people are doing it. I think Aiken's like, oh, there's other people. I'll wait till they confess. But he was alone. And he only confesses because he's caught. Did you realize that? There's no apology. It's simply, I got caught. Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, in other words, he wants to look like the enemy. He wants to look like the world. He won't have a chance to wear it, but wow, when he gets settled, he's going to put that garment on, and he's going to look just like the world. He just has to hang out with Israel for a little while longer, and then the true nature, the true garment, who he really is, is going to come out. 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, these things that were to be dedicated to God alone, he took, and he says, I coveted them. I saw them. I coveted them, I took them, and they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Achan saw it, coveted it, took it, kept it, buried it. That's the progression of sin. We take it, we see it, we want it, we take it, we keep it, we bury it. That which looked so beautiful and enriching to Achan became a curse to Achan, Achan's family, and all of Israel. That which looked like it would enrich actually impoverished. Now God says, deal harshly with his sin. I want you to not show any mercy on this sin. So Achan, his goods, his possessions, his livestock, and his whole family, they're taken to the valley of Achar and they're stoned and a heap of stones is placed over them. And maybe you're thinking, that is harsh. Oh, yes, it is. Because sin, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This had cost the loss of life. And now it was a curse to Achan and even his children. These weren't little children. These were conspirators. Somebody mentioned, you don't have a wife. I think Achan's wife died because I think she would have kept him from that. Said, you take that Babylonian garment right to Joshua right now. I'm not having that thing in my house. But the idea, most commentators believe that it was a family conspiracy. They were all in this. In our lives, and I know this is not politically correct, but it's not politically correct in our society to call sin, sin, is it? It's not, no, no, I'm not a sinner. It's not politically correct. We think that by dealing, doing away with the term sin, 
we get away with the accursed thing. If we just don't call it sin, then it's not sin anymore. No, sin is sin, and it still causes a curse and death and repels the presence of God. We must get rid of it entirely. No bit of sin is to remain. Jesus said this, and it's politically incorrect. He did that a lot. Matthew 5, 29. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. One member of your body can curse your whole soul. We need to deal with sin harshly. Paul tells us in Romans 13, 14, that we are not to make any provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. We're not to accommodate sin. We're not to feed sin. We're not to hide sin. We're not to excuse sin. We're not to leave it alone. We're to deal with it. We deal too lightly with sin because we do not realize it's destructive, aggressive, and strong nature. We underestimate the power of sin, which is our enemy. Let me, I want to put Matthew 5, 29 in modern vernacular. If Facebook causes you to sin and gossip and covet Cut it out. Get rid of Facebook. Stop it. If your computer causes you to sin, get rid of it. Go old school. It's called paper and pen and file cabinet. If your friend causes you to sin, cut off that relationship. If your television causes you to sin, and here I have a story. John Corson was sitting with his family, watching a football game with his son, and a commercial came on. Now, John's very calm. Those of you who know John Corson, he's just calm. He's just a love. But a commercial came on that he felt was so stumbling to his son that he went into the garage and got an axe and came and chopped his television in half. Right there, right during the middle of the game. Just like, it's over. I will not have that in my house. Whoa. Whoa. All I'm saying is John's a man of God. If a song causes you to sin, don't listen to it. You see, do not let sin continue or have a place in your heart or your life. Confess it and ask God to come with his great scrub brush and get rid of it. If we confess our sins to God, if we admit he is faithful and just, not only to forgive, but to cleanse us, to get rid of that propensity for sin. Have you ever noticed, those of you who actually clean your bathtub, if a little place of mold happens, and you bleach it out. But if you don't get rid of it completely, the next week, that little piece of uh, mold is back. And if you don't deal with it right away, it begins to grow. And pretty soon, you don't have white grout between your tiles. You have gray or spotted or black. Okay, 
That only happened to me, but it's happened. You're all self-righteous. My grout is white. Okay, fine. Hmm. It's a good thing I'm not doing bathtub, ex- you know, or I'd be going, you're just like me. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway. On the cross, we vividly see the cost and also the cure for our sins. The cost of our sins is so great. It cost the holy, precious, sinless life of the Son of God. No one less than Jesus could pay the penalty for our sins. It took God's blood to atone for our sins. We see the cost, his suffering, his condemnation, his death. That's the cost of our sins. Sin must be dealt with or we will continually suffer defeat and pay for it. The Bible tells us without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We won't know the presence of the Lord. God's presence cannot bless our lives when we hold on to the accursed thing. But we see the cure on the cross. All we need to do is come to the cross and say, Jesus, you paid for my sins already. You took the stoning. You took the beating. You took the You took the nails. You took everything that my sin deserves. You took the public humiliation. You took the shame. Everything that I deserve. Everything that sin costs. And you did it that I might look to you and believe in your work. And I can be forgiven by just confessing. And you will forgive and you will cleanse. That's the cure. That's the cure. Have you felt defeated? Have you felt defeated? Do you feel defeated? Do you feel like your prayers are barred? Do you feel like they don't even go past the ceiling? They come right back down on you? I just have to say this. I was at a health food store and I was on the phone and I turned my phone off and I said, I'm sorry about that. And he said, yeah, I'm so glad because your radiation is hitting the ceiling and coming back on all of us. I said, Absolutely. And that's why I turned it off. Bad, bad, bad. I did do that. But have you felt defeated? Defeated in prayer, defeated in your Christian life? Take inventory. Take inventory. Find the cause of defeat. Is it disobedience? Is it presumption? Have you underestimated the enemy? Have you felt the cost, the loss, the lack of faith, your heart melted, pursued by fear? Have you felt the loss of faith and friends or death, doubt or depression? There's a cure and it begins with get up, get up, seek the Lord, obey his word, put him back in the lead, deal harshly with sin. There are many promises waiting to be won. The accursed thing is not worth the cost. It is not worth jeopardizing all the promises of God. God has good things, great things, the best things ahead. The enemy would like to tell you that a Babylonian garment looking like the world, that a wedge of gold and some pieces of silver is better than anything God will ever give you. Not true. God's got the best, the absolute best. 
He's got things that are so great that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it even entered your imagination how great the plans of God are for you. And I am telling you that they are good, that they are better than anything that you can come up with. And God is so zealous to get you into those good things, get you into the promises, get you into the victory that he has for you. And we want to walk in that victory. The accursed thing is not worth the cost. God offers us so much more than the devil does. And God's gift are worth more, better quality, and eternal. So get up and let's sanctify ourselves to God. The cause of Israel's defeat was sin, presumption, and underestimating the enemy. God showed them the cure when he said, sanctify yourselves. God wanted Israel to rededicate themselves back to him, his work, and his ways. The same is true for us today. If we find ourselves under the defeat of sin, we need to sanctify and rededicate ourselves back to the Lord and his work. God is merciful and gracious, and as we come, he will align us back into his ways and purposes. It all starts with seeking God and letting him lead us. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at second chances with God as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.